Hey there, space people. Welcome to the show. This week, we've got some orbital news. We're going to cover what's what's happened recently in space. And we're also going to cover my thoughts on aliens and the microbiome. Uh, it's the first time I've ever talked about aliens on the podcast. Specifically, actually designated seg- segment for it, so make sure to listen to that at the end. Thank you for joining us. Remember, subscribe to us, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. You can find us on social media at Twitter, Today in Space Pod. AG3D Printing, and on Instagram, Today in Space Pod, and AG3D Printing. That's all. Have a great week. Enjoy the show, and thanks for joining us. First up in orbital news, let's discuss the success of the CRS-18 mission with the return of the Dragon capsule. This makes it the first Dragon spacecraft to launch and return to Earth three times, making the hat trick complete for SpaceX. This was the same capsule that brought the Biofabrication Facility, or BFF, into orbit, which will be doing the early research work of 3D printing organs in space. You can learn more about that in episode 159. For everyone here on YouTube, the clips of that segment is at the top right of the screen. You know, it's an interesting time for me as someone with an aerospace engineering degree uh, and education from you know the years 2008 to 2015. You know, I saw what SpaceX was doing and many at the time did not think that this was possible. You know, neither did I at first, but they were showing us what was possible. And, and I can think of a few professors, no more than I can count on one hand, that didn't believe this was possible, or more specifically, were so ideological about flight heritage that in order to qualify anything uh, would take a very lengthy process. And basically, it's like saying, don't try at all. Uh, the pride that they had for the things that were already proven, but ha- and, they, and at the same time, they had no patience for new technologies to develop. And to that, I say thank you, Elon Musk and the SpaceX teams over the years for helping to prove that you can develop new and better ways to travel space and at a quicker pace than we ever thought possible. And more importantly, focus on the technologies we need today to actually go to Mars. So Godspeed SpaceX and congrats on your latest success. The United Launch Alliance had its final launch of the Delta IV medium vehicle on August 22nd of this year. It is the end of an era for ULA. The good news is that the Delta line of launch vehicles will continue with the Delta IV Heavy. The ULA will also have access to space with their Atlas V, another workhorse of the space industry. The Delta IV will be replaced by the Vulcan Centaur booster in 2021. How did this new rocket get its name? Well, back at the start of 2015, I remember this, uh, you know, the ULA had a competition online to vote for the name of the booster replacement a few years back. So they were preparing for this. This is something they've, they, they, they do a lot, actually, with ULA. They, they flight heritage flights, and they build on top of those and develop a rocket that, at the end, is very efficient. So... A few years back, right before voting in March of 2015, uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away uh, in February of that year. And obviously, the internet voted for the rocket to be named Vulcan. 
And well, I know I voted, voted for Vulcan. It was just, you know, the best name out there. And I can't wait to see the Vulcan Centaur launch. It's the combination of 120 years of rocket development and evolution, according to ULA's website. Meaning, it is based on a certain set, if I, if I take my little swing at what that means and explain it a little bit differently... It means that these rockets, this rocket specifically, Vulcan Centaur, is based on a certain set of physics for a rocket technology, for rocket technology generally, this this branch of rocketry that they're taking in science and engineering that dates back 120 years. So that means it's it has a very long track record of a physics that works, that we kind of understand. Uh, and according to the United Launch Alliance, the Vulcan Centaur is, des- is designed, built, and will be flown by the only launch service provider with 100% mission success. Now, if that's not a jab at SpaceX, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> but it's definitely something to be proud of. They're, they're a tremendous launch provider. Uh, and, you know, this first stage of the Vulcan Centaur will be using a pair of BE-4 engines, which are the engines built by Lex Luthor. <coughs> I mean, uh, Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin. It's a phenomenal rocket, and the ULA invested well in the Vulcan Centaur. You know, there's something to be said about a finely tuned launch vehicle that's evolved over time. In other orbital news, Eric Berger on Twitter showed the Sierra Nevada's prototype for the Lunar Gateway. You know, I I love following Eric on Twitter. He's on top of the space industry and always sharing great stuff. Uh, This is one of them, so thank you, Eric. He tweeted here at NASA Johnson this morning to check out Sierra Nevada's Lunar Gateway prototype. First impression, it's big. Now, first off, I have always loved the idea of Sierra Nevada's Dream Chaser. And for years, I've been disappointed that they didn't receive more funding. You know, when it wasn't selected for major funding, in many cases, SpaceX was the one that got the funding from them. You know, it's been bounced around as a potential in the industry for people like the United Launch Alliance and the European Space Agency. But I'm very happy to see them exploring other avenues like the Gateway. You know, their Dream Chaser was a smaller, lighter version of the space shuttle. And, you know, when I first started my aerospace engineering degree, I thought that the space shuttle was just the beginning of this whole era in space of these launch-to-land space planes. But, boy, was I wrong and many others like me wrong. But I hope that the Lunar Gateway just doesn't stop becoming, like, being developed like the space shuttle did. You know, the space shuttle was the first version of what could have become a whole new type of spacecraft that we use all the time, and then it died. So I'm hoping that the Lunar Gateway continues. But, you know, the good thing is I'm, I'm more and more optimistic that the space industry is figuring out how to make itself grow with the private sector involved more and more, you know, as well as NASA playing more offense in the game of space development. You know, I'm, I'm using a sports analogy here because uh, I just drafted my one of my fantasy football teams uh, the other day, and I'm managing another league. So so it's all, it's all uh, uh, sports strategy, offense, defense. But it's true. I, I like what our current administrator, Jim Bridenstine, is doing to play on offense instead of defense with regards to funding and focus on a mission goal like Artemis and a continued presence on the moon and eventually Mars. The Lunar Gateway is one of those new ideas for NASA to accomplish a long-continued presence in space and set up a safe way to go from Earth to lunar orbit and then travel to the surface more easily and ideally with less risk than what, you know, 
like the Apollo missions, Apollo 11 did. Now, basically, we would have an international space station around the moon docking, you know, for docking and preparing to deploy to the surface in a more controlled approach and at a lower velocity, so it's a lot safer. And the Lunar Gateway could also act like a rest stop to refuel and prepare for the trip to Mars. But there's, there's, there's a lot yet to be developed. And the good news is there's, here is evidence that you know, Sierra Nevada has already built a prototype. So uh, that's, that's a huge first step, having a physical model that we can then potentially take the next step of testing. So what I say is let's get this thing tested in orbit as soon as possible. And there's a, if you go to the details in this week's episode, there's a lot more great info in the talk, uh, in the tweet chain uh, from Eric Berger about the actual Lunar Gateway. So that's, that's fun. Check that out. We are 163 episodes into a space podcast, and I don't believe I have ever taken a whole segment to actually talk about aliens or to really focus my answer to the question, do I think aliens are real? Because I actually get that a lot um, when people find out I have a space podcast, and it's one of the first questions, Uh, or at least the question they ask like the day after when they've thought about (laughs) what we actually talk about on the show. So... I want to talk about that. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit on some episodes where we've had people on, like I can think back to, we'll talk about this later, but episode 100, um, we've brought up the idea of aliens, but I've never given an answer. So this is my first time doing that. So let's do that this week. I'll start first with my hypothesis on aliens and if they exist, and then we'll discuss the mighty microbiome that lives in and regulates each human being on the planet. As always, I'll connect it all in the end to space. Let's begin. Aliens and the Microbiome I believe aliens are real, or at least could be real. But my my biggest conflict is when do they exist? Do they exist now? Did they exist in the past? Do they exist in the future? Only then can you answer where they are to me. Uh, Maybe you'll find some uh, remnants, ancient city of some alien people, but or or humanoids or whatever they are. Um, But will you actually find them? You know, and for all all we know, they don't exist now, and we are the only ones alive right now. Um, Are we the pioneers of intelligent life, traveling space, or just distant relatives of the others before us? Aliens of another planet, basically. Um, it's these kinds of questions that keep me up at night. <laughs> and if you've listened to any of the personal logs, like uh, episode 160, I talk about balance. You know, mostly I've talked about balance in my own life, balance with work and passion and balance with science and engineering. Well, currently I'm trying to find my balance in my own gut with my microbiome. You know, for those that don't know what the microbiome is, may I offer this non-technical and brief way to describe it. Uh, your body is filled with a culture of wide-ranging bacteria, primarily good bacteria, and your microbiome helps digest your food, regulate your immune system, protect against bad bacteria, and produce vitamins including B, B12, thymine, and riboflavin. I don't ever actually know how to say that word, riboflavin, riboflavin. Uh, and vitamin K. All of these are important for being a normal functioning human being. (laughs) And we are continuing to learn more and more about how the microbiome plays a larger role. I am currently three weeks into a protocol to reset my microbiome. 
I'm going to refrain from attempting to describe the science of it as I'm no expert, um, but maybe we'll try to find a microbiome expert to explain it in the near future. I, I know some people and we'll, we'll reach out. Um, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. My microbiome is not balanced. Something has been off for years and most doctors I've had over the years never diagnosed it. Never, di never diagnosed it. Um, recently, I took my own advice about balance and got tested, and now I'm taking the baby steps towards getting better and resetting my microbiome. Um, what's been the most interesting about this whole thing is, is learning that there is a whole network of living things that are inside you, helping you survive and live. Basically, so we can all survive together. You know, we're all a team here. Uh, <laughs> And this might be a really foreign idea to most people. It was to me at first. And when I really looked into the microbiome, it was during the Year in Space mission where Mark and Scott Kelly, identical twins that were also astronauts at NASA at the same time, were chosen to compare the effects of anti-gravity on a matching pair of DNA. One stayed on Earth and one, Mark, uh, Mark Kelly stayed on Earth, and one was in orbit, Scott Kelly, for basically a full year. And luckily... Uh, I had my friends in genetics come on the show to explain some of the science behind the mission, uh, or as best we could. Uh, I would highly recommend going back to episode 100 to learn more about the year in space mission and the potential changes of human DNA in space as before we actually got the results. Uh, so it's fun to look back. But that was a really fun episode. Uh, but one of the more insane thought experiments I have heard in my years of looking into the microbiome is this. Which came first, the human or the microbiome? And who was the first alien to land on this planet? If you think about it, the microbiome and the bacteria inside our bodies were possibly stowaways on some comet or asteroid that landed on Earth in the early days of life. That's actually one of the theories we have on how we got here in the early days. So did the microbiome find us or did we early humanity find the microbiome? You know, are we the result of multiple aliens from other planets combined to create humanity? Or is the microbiome the true alien and we are just the hosts? And I told you this is insane, but I, I really like it because it, it, it's a different scale to view alien life. You know, we were always looking for gray or green slender bodies with big eyes. You know, the classic alien visitor look, slightly humanoid. But what about microbial life? You know, there might even be a better chance of us finding microbial life on other planets than some other humanoid. And maybe those bacteria are just waiting to find a host like us, which is a little terrifying. Terrifying. It's a very strange topic, and obviously none of this is proven or even testable right now, but it's just fun to think about and imagine the possibilities of a thought experiment, if you will. You know, and there's always this silver lining. If you ever feel like you're alone or feel like you're the only one dealing with some issue in your life, remember, you are never truly alone. You have millions of bacteria in your microbiome keeping you running. <laughs> They're always there for you. Always. <laughs> so those are my thoughts this week on aliens. I, I finally shared whether I think they're real. Obviously, yes, I think they're real. But when are they real? Think about that. And we talked about uh, the microbiome. And again, I'll, 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 I, I have been writing about this recently, but I, I will share more about my journey about resetting this because I know 
uh, from the people I talk about outside of this podcast in real life is definitely a topic that's very uh, strange, but I also don't want to, I'm not an expert and I want to talk about it with somebody who is, is an expert and then see what they, what they think. So we'll, we'll try and set up some interviews in the future. If you have any suggestions of people I should reach out to, please let me know in the comments. Um, but this is going to be very interesting. And, uh, thank you for listening this week. As always, you can, you know, make sure to subscribe to the show. We're on, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify. If you want the audio, uh, if you want the video, we're here on YouTube. We're, uh, starting out on DTube. We're putting stuff out there. Uh, it's one of, uh, blockchain YouTube, basically, if, it, if I'm giving you the short, uh, really non-descriptive dis- <laughs> description. Um, but it's cool. We're, we're getting out there. Our Instagram page, Today in Space Pod, Twitter, Today in Space Pod. We are trying to talk about things today in space. Uh, I am getting better at transferring what I'm already doing every day, which is being head first into this, even though I have another job and stuff, I'm always getting updates and I just love space. So how is the best way that I can just share that with you more and actually release content today in space? So that's what we're working on. We're on the slow, long journey of getting to that point, but, uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy this. So thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to tell your friends about us. Uh, and as always, if you ever want to help support the podcast, we're here for you. We're free. We're going to put out content regardless. But if you want to help support us, we have our 3D printing uh, idea workshop, AG3D. This is where we made the cap here, the end cap for my microphone. I'll move this real quick. Uh, so we made that custom. Um, we can do anything with a 3D printer. It's a tool for creativity and for being able to innovate very, very quickly. And we're going to see that in a lot of industries coming up in the next 20 or so years. It's going to be a tool to help us progress quicker and test more. That's what I love about SpaceX's approach. We talk about this a lot. But SpaceX's approach is slowly test test cheaply and build on top of each test towards the end goal. And we do that with AG3D. You know, if you have an idea, you have an idea that's on a piece of paper, you've written it down uh, you're like J.K. Rowling, got Harry Potter written down on the napkin at the coffee shop, but you need some way to make that physical, something that you can hand someone in person. So that's what we do. We help you bring your ideas into reality. So if you want to check us out, you can check us out at AG3D-Printing. We also have things like this. We have phone holders and other cool stuff at our Etsy store at AG3D.com. AG3Dprinting.etsy.com. You can check our store out there, help support us. And help us do more here. You know, the great thing is through this AG3D, we've been able to buy more printers to do more things. We share more content. We have our Instagram page where we show you what it's like to 3D print something and and the things that are possible with 3D printing. And so if you're just a peripheral 3D printer lover and you you don't need anything 3D printed, check out our Instagram page and just learn about it. See the cool stuff we're making. So that's AG3D printing on Instagram. That's it, folks. Have a great week. I hope you have a good time. I am off to drumroll. Amsterdam for a week. So I'm going to be able to see some pretty amazing stuff. There's a 3D printed bridge that I'm going to try desperately to find. Um, uh, Ultimaker is out there. I'm going to see if I'm going to be able to go in there and see what's up. We're going to have a lot we're going to share on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook. There's going to be a lot. Instagram, check us out then. Next week's going to be a lot of fun and I'm very excited to go. So uh, until then, I will see you next week. We'll talk then. Spread love, spread science. See you next time.